I travel a lot. I'm just letting you know right now, I spend a lot of time in an airplane. And because of that, I spend a lot of time talking to reservation agents as well, getting the flights figured out. One time I was traveling and I realized at the last second I had booked the wrong flight. Somehow I had booked the wrong date. And I was, I was on a, I kept thinking, why haven't I got a notification to check in? And I realized it was for a flight the next day. And then I panicked. And so I called, I fly on Delta. I called the Delta reservation person and, and I was, I was talking to him. I'm just telling you, it was the greatest experience of my life. What I thought was going to be horrible. I was going to be stranded in Topeka or something for an extra day. This woman was so fantastic. She took it. She's like, did everything. She you hold, I'm going to take care of it. She did other steps. She pulled some strings. She'd let me, let me put you on hold today. I'm going to talk to my managers. Before it was all over, this person was my greatest friend in the entire world. I still remember. I don't remember her name, but it was a woman who lived in Layton, Utah. And then after that, there was a grandma from Dallas, Texas, who saved my bacon on another day. I was trying to move around and change reservations and stuff. I just kept thinking, Delta Sky Club reservation agent people are the most phenomenal call center people that I can ever deal with. They understand customers. They know the right thing to say. They take care of me implicitly. And then I thought, it's too bad not everybody could be like that. It's too bad that every time you call somebody, they know all the right things to say. They know how to take care of you. They have the right answers for whatever you're saying. They have the ways to take care of any kind of concern you have. Well, guess what? That solution might be coming. It might be around the corner, all thanks to what we're calling Yak Track. And today, ladies and gentlemen, you are invited to a Yak Track party. I'm Darren. And I'm Jeff. Welcome to The Voice Box. Our guest today, are a panel of four people from Yak Track, Josh, Jay, Ben, and MK. Guys, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. So we got to find out what exactly does Yak Track do and how is Yak Track going to change the world? Anytime we have a problem, we have to call into someone or someone's calling us or something like that. Who's going to answer and tell me the brief synopsis on what Yak Track is doing and what their mission is sure. to change the world? So, so Darren, what we do at Yak Track is what we call uh, conversational AI and uh, speech analytics. And long story short, um, we help to analyze all kinds of customer interactions and basically develop business intelligence on top of that. Now, mind you, that's post facto in terms of business intelligence or BI. We also are able to help assist agents in real time. So that's a slightly different kind of functionality. Uh, but if we were to go to the business intelligence back there for a moment, what we're doing is if it's a marketing department and they are interested in analyzing the voice of the customer, getting all kinds of feedback on customer experience, we can do that across virtually any channel, whether it be phone calls, CRM cases, you know, customer surveys, uh, emails, chat logs, you name it, whatever. Uh, and so we bring all that together and then we can use predictive machine learning to automatically categorize and classify various kinds of customer experience issues. The marketing people love it. They're already doing that, but they're spending expensive MBA time. And this is a machine that can just do it a lot um, you know, faster, cheaper, better. So that's one. So I'm going to jump in. I'm gonna, I got to ask you, so explain that a little bit more to me. So I deal a lot with people using CRMs and that's this database of knowing information about the customer and, and managing that person. So as, as, is this someone calling out to sell a product to me? Is this me calling into a, to a, a, 
a, a company or somebody because I want to buy something from them. What's the normal point of interaction here? So, What's the, the status? So the, the, the example that I provided is definitely somebody making an inbound call for as an existing customer. Uh, and that definitely is the sort of the main uh, attraction. Having said that, we have done things for, for uh, inbound as well as outbound sales. There's, there's a slightly different emphasis. If it is, if it is, um, uh, if if the salesperson is receiving an inbound call, uh, because you know customer service and sales are obviously different. So what we were talking about is customer service for existing customers. But if we were to, to pivot to the world of sales for just a moment, actually our software could be even more meaningful uh, in terms of being able to help a sales team, a limited and constrained sales team which has limited number of people on it, to be able to triage. Uh, let's just say you have a multi-call sales process. Now, our machines can actually use predictive machine learning to listen to some of the earlier calls and predict who is more likely to convert into a paying customer. And if you have only limited time for your salespeople to follow up, you know, variously to try and close the deal, uh, then, then, then this could be, you know, tremendously productive for that sales team. We have done production systems of that nature. They are um, not as common uh, as the, the customer experience, you know, type categorization but they do exist. And then finally, when it comes to outbound sales, that's a very different kind of an uh, atmosphere, but <laughs> it's more like lawyers get involved in that kind of thing uh, where, you know, if you're doing outbound calling, then you have to make sure that you're getting it legally right. And there's a whole bunch of things, you know, related to that because you can land up with lawsuits later on saying, oh, you should have, your person should have said these words and they didn't and whatnot. And so that's the kind of stuff where, you know, we've had lawyers showing a lot of interest, but we don't have too much business of that kind. Uh, it's it's controversial. Sometimes if it's already in a lawsuit, that's a different story, but but potentially outbound sales kind of callers can use our software to prevent all that kind of legal trouble. You know? So I'm so intrigued now. So I call in, I'm calling to some company, I'm thinking about buying, I'm an inbound call, uh, and, and they can tell, YakTrack is monitoring the words that I say and being able to tell, what are you able to decipher besides just words? Are you able to decipher uh, intonation or mood or anything else that goes along with that? Absolutely. Uh, so, so there's the words are certainly there. And let's take. I think. I think to respond to this one, I'll talk briefly about our real-time capabilities. That might actually help to answer this one. So, one of the first and easiest things to do is something called a supervisor heat map, where you're literally analyzing the sets of words. Right, saying. I'm very frustrated. I'd like to speak to your manager. I'm so I'm so disappointed with this and that, whatever. So this is literally the words that were spoken, you know, can be a set of target phrases that could indicate trouble. And then this, we have a supervisor heat map. So you have a supervisor and the moment they realize that this is what's happening, the heat map indicates that, hey, this is out of the hundred active calls. You know, these are the two calls you should really be paying attention to. And then they would have various ways and means to go and somehow whisper into the the year of the call agent or provide some sort of a, a digital version of that. So that would be a sort of a manual intervention by the supervisor to try and help out the agent when clearly the agent is quite obviously in trouble on that call, right? So that's one way to do it. The other thing is definitely intonation forms a part of it. We do, do have those capabilities as well. And the third thing, and this is where it gets really sophisticated from an AI point of view, is that we can also determine the intent uh, which goes way beyond simply listening to the words. We're trying to understand the meaning uh, of those words. And once we determine the intent, then you don't even need um, a human uh, supervisor. You can have essentially what would be like an agent assist bot uh, trying to help out 
um, um, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, the agent. Let me give you an example. Years ago, you know, we had this this discussion with. Uh, I think I can say it is, you know, um, maybe uh, it was anyway. It was a big, big, big uh, uh, Las Vegas hotel group. Let's call it that. And and they had multiple properties across Vegas, and only one of those properties had a fine dining Chinese restaurant. And so if you call into some of the lesser properties and say, hey, I'm looking for a fine dining Chinese experience, they wanted the bot to be so smart that even for a brand new and naive agent, the bot, the bot would immediately, who might not even be aware that there's 11 different properties across Vegas, where is this one Chinese fine dining? They may not ever figure it out, but the machine is so smart, it would immediately say, yes, of course we have this thing. You know, Why don't we suggest this particular thing to the client, right? So that would be an example of how you would use uh, an agent assist bot to really enhance customer experience. And, and do sometimes just, is it something, because you mentioned whisper in your ear, is it literally a whisper in your ear? Is it, a, is it alerting a real person to say, hey, I think you should change this? Or is the, the bot, is the software then whispering in the agent's ear, here's something to say? Yeah, so there's two things. There's a, a, there's a human intervention and then there's a machine intervention. So the bot is the machine. And typically that would, that would come across as a sort of the, the bot would be talking to the agent, but primarily by way of a screen. So it would be the, the, the computer would be typing words out on a screen to the agent. Uh, and that's how it would try to communicate with the agent. That would be the least, uh, I think, distracting way from the agent's point of view. From a, from a human intervention perspective, there's various ways to do it. Some of the older, I don't know which ones, um, frankly, don't have too much experience with that myself. But I, I, I've heard that some of the heavier, you know, more sophisticated older equipment, let's say from an Avaya or a Genesis or a Cisco, may probably well have this kind of whisper capability where you can literally barge in on a call and only the agent can hear the supervisor talking. The customer probably cannot even hear them. They should not be able to hear them talking. So that's what we mean by the, the whisper. But increasingly, there are now modern versions of that where essentially instead of even without all these sophisticated features in the telephone exchange, you can just, for example, throw that message out on a Slack channel and that would pop up in the face of the, the agent. And, um, and it, would, it would still be a human supervisor intervening, but, but instead of hearing it as audio, uh, you know, we can just pop it up as a Slack message to the agent. And frankly, that way we don't need any fancy integrations with legacy telephone uh, switching systems or, or their cooperation. We can do it without anybody else's help. Yeah. You know, I mentioned we have this party. We got everybody here. I'm not sure of everybody's areas of expertise and what to what to ask the right people in the right in the right order. So, which of the rest of you have something exciting that you that you love the most about Yak Track? That that if if I, if I were just a commoner, which I am, and don't know a clue, which I don't, what what would you tell me to get me excited? Who's up first? Well, I uh, so Ben Ben Land here. I'm, uh, I work in business development with Yak Track, and uh, I work closely with MK, who is uh, really our director of product, and he leads a lot of our demos um, and discussions. And uh, like we were talking about earlier, Darren, and, and the way you are now, asking very open-ended questions. I, I think of uh, that, um, I don't know if it's a term, but uh, beginner's mind. It's a Buddhist practice of just having an empty mind and going in. Um, we have spoken already. Is, is that, by the way, is that a compliment when you say I have an empty mind? Yeah. Is that, yes. That's, yes. That's a nice thing. Okay. Just making sure. Because like a lot of times my wife tells me that and I do not interpret it as a compliment when she's telling me that. Agreed. I hear that. I hear a similar okay. thing from my wife, actually. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, but, but having, having a completely open mind, because what we've talked about already, you know, Jay has mentioned a couple of 
you know, real world, real time applications or deployments of the tool. And what we're realizing now as we engage with new clients and, and new prospects, um, there, there has been a stigma that AI or the machines will take my job. Uh, that is naturally reducing. Um, and, and people are starting to get a better kind of general handle on what AI is. And the AI is really here to augment and optimize the human effort. It's not, it's not showing up at your workplace to take your job. Um, and so what, and what, what I enjoy the most about our practice is those early discussions with the human beings of the organization. Um, what do you wish for? Um, and I know that that's a, that's a question that you guys might be asking us as well, but it, it really is a valid starting point of if anything was possible, because with machine learning, things are exponentially possible. Um, so if anything was possible, what would it be? And what are your intentions? Are you coming in to learn more about the voice of the customer? Or are you coming in to um, spot and pluck out the bad apples in your um, agent call center? So understanding the motivation and understanding the human intention around using AI is really what's getting me excited. MK, do you want to chime in? It's just an extension of where uh, Ben left off. You know, uh, the one thing that excites me the most uh, when it comes to uh, the Yak Track speech analytics is the real world problems that we encounter on a case to case basis. Uh, especially the scope of speech analytics, as we understand, is extremely high. Uh, it's broad. So, Coming back to the initial point that you made, Darren, about uh, you know you reaching out to to this uh, you know airline agency, you know, uh, to to let them know about your grievance. Now imagine when you're calling uh, the customer support, you're already uh, upset, and what you're looking for is someone who can hear, who's there to to uh, hear your concerns and uh, empathize with you, and then find out the right set of solutions. Now. What you're looking for is a timely support. In addition to that, a humane behavior from their side. Uh, if you look at the traditional means of contact center operations, uh, there was simply no way for monitoring all the calls. And that had led to, to either the agents being lethargic or the agents uh, you know, missing out on those smaller, finer things, finer details, you know, just to say sorry, or just to say, I apologize for what happened. You know, I really understand that you're upset at this point of time. But those simple, smaller things can uh, can have a direct imp impact or lasting impact when it comes to customer retention. And what a speech analytics solution can do for you is uh, uh, it can either act as a, a monitoring tool for a supervisor to identify what exactly is happening on the calls, or B, it can also be a self-learning tool for an agent because at the end of the day, uh, a contact center industry is a high pressure work environment. You have back-to-back -back calls and there are chances that the agents might uh, you know, overlook these uh, final details. But at the end of the day or the following day when they just log in, if they have an option to see the entire progression of the call from a sentiment aspect, uh, you know, what did I speak and how the customer's sentiment wavered across the call, uh, what went right for me, what went wrong for me, that is a self-learning tool that can improve the agent uh, performance. And those are the finer details that that shows, uh, you know, the overall uh, premise of a call. So that when the next 
customer calls in, these smaller things will add on for a better customer experience. So, yeah, we are seeing a lot of uh, you know extensions of these use cases, even though the basic premise is the customer support and customer service. And though we are at YakTrack, since we have a platform approach, we are trying to come out with those solutions to 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 complement real world problems. And I gotta back, I gotta backtrack a little on the Yak track, backtrack on the Yak. This is like now it's like a Dr. Seuss book. Now, see, Ben, that's what you're thinking. This is the Dr. Seuss backtrack on the you are finally using our name the way it is meant to be used, Darren. Thank goodness. So you you mentioned if and when I called into Delta, I was one completely at wrong, and they were very nice to me understanding. But you mentioned like if someone comes in and they're a little abrasive, would would the would the system with the bot then tell somebody? be sympathetic, apologize, you know, be, be nice Would it. Coach them through on emotional things like that. Uh, so from a real-time sentiment analysis perspective, it shows the real-time sentiment of both the customer side and the agent side. Okay. Now the bot working on providing recommendations will not include things like uh, soft skill, but it can be incorporated because you all you need to have is an extensive framework that can mention, okay, these are the call flow that you need. But uh, the bot usage goes much beyond that. I'll just give you a differential, uh, two, two different examples that can prove that. Okay. Where the bot shines is uh, uh, you just call Delta Airlines and you're mentioning that, hey, I am just waiting, I just missed my flight. I mean, I don't know what's happening here. The moment when this is being told, imagine uh, the agent saying, you know what, uh, I'm just giving an example. You're upset, you call me, I'm the agent, I'm just saying, you know what, uh, please stay on the line while I go ahead and check it at the end. And then he takes two to three minutes to come out with answers for you. He's not wrong. He might be looking at the various databases and servers and uh, you know CRMs to find out what your uh, ticket details, your itinerary, and other details. Imagine a case wherein the moment you told about your issue, the bot listens to the conversation and it knows that uh, the customer, it fetches your record from the CRM system and publishes it in uh, the agent desktop, stating that, okay, this is what it is. And based on the customer's uh, uh, you know, messaging, I believe that uh, there is some scheduling issues or he has missed the flight or whatever message or baggage claims, whatever it is. And for these kinds of issues, this is the script or this is the kind of process that you have to inform the customer. You know, uh, It might be things like, why don't you go to the nearby uh, agency? You can get the next book, bad flight. There is another flight connecting at this point of time. This is the flight details and this is the availability of seats in that if it is a booking issue. okay. So all those things can be popped up to an agent side and that will reduce the time that you have put on hold on a call. okay. And the agent will be able to give you an answer up front. That's from a real-time agent perspective. Whereas from the sentiment analysis piece, what it does is the moment you called in, it will show that, okay, customer is frustrated, upset, or anger. What exactly is the tone or the mood of the customer based on the words that you use, based on the tone with which you speak, and on a real-time basis as well as a non-real-time basis. And then when the customer agent also speaks, agent is evaluated across parameters like uh, whether the agent is rude, assertive, or adaptive. Most of the time, what happens is uh, not even though they do not intend to do it, but the agents or the other the person on the other end might sound rude to a customer. It can be due to multiple issues. You know, they, they just had a bad day. You know, <laughs> nothing to do with the customer. But those kinds of things can show in pop as pop up at the agent's desktop, saying that okay, you are rude at this point of time. The customer is upset, and you are also sounding rude. Take a breath. 
Okay, so those kinds of uh, message uh, from a real-time sentiment analysis can be provided. But also come in here, guys, with a few sort of controversial thoughts of my own. So, oh no, uh, look out! Okay, we're, not, we're stirring things up. Yes, we're, we're yeah. going off the charts. Yeah. Jage is going for like ratings. He's thinking like if it gets controversial, it's gonna we're gonna go off the charts here. Okay, everybody, buckle up. Here we go. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, the we we, we talked about marketing departments. You know, showing interest in voice of the customer. We talked about even the operations folks. The real time stuff is very emotionally engaging and kind of obviously you know grabbing. People people's attention. But when it comes to the more old-fashioned, you know, uh, quality uh, analysis of these phone calls, the post-facto, uh, you know, stuff, frankly, um, and this is the, this is probably the, the, the more controversial part, is that, you know, I'm, uh, with, with, with enough time spent in this industry, unfortunately, I am slowly coming around to the point of view that a lot of what is going on in the name of quality management in these call centers, this random listening to one or two phone calls, I mean, I, Sorry to be so blunt about it, but I don't think there's any easy way to communicate this. I'm beginning to wonder whether a lot of it is basically a sort of a CYA situation, a kind of a quality uh, theater, you know, and maybe even the so-called quality analyst is probably a, a call center agent who couldn't even hack it as an agent and is now thrown into this whole, you know, CYA activity of, you know, some sort of a quality theater saying, yeah, we're doing our job. Okay. We're doing the whole quality thing, right? Whatever that thing is, we're ticking the box. Right. And, and that, 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 unfortunately, you know, when we go in with all this high-tech human augmented AI stuff, we find that sometimes the reaction is almost like, uh, like, uh-huh. So, so, so how is this, what is this good for? And, 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 and so are we, you know, here's, an, here's the other, and the, the second slightly not so controversial part is I normally try to explain by way of this sort of military analogy. And I know that military analogies, are, especially today, this is like a, not a good month to talk about that, but, but anyway, it, it does help to make the point. So here's, here's how I think about it, right? So today or before the world of speech analytics, I mean, these call center quality management teams were really in the world war, let's call sort of world war one mode, right? This is a fighter jock who is going up in the sky. There's no radar. There's no air traffic control. You have no idea. You have to just use your, your, your nice eyesight to try and figure out, find the damn enemy in the sky. It's a huge sky. I'm willing to bet that most of those fighter pilots probably just burned their fuel and came down without any engagement because they couldn't find anybody up there in a really big sky, actually. So, so, so that's the state of the art, right? They're randomly picking one or two calls. You know, what is the probability that that one call out of 100 is the call that you should have been listening to in the first place, right? It's, a, it's like it's a 1% it's a probability. Now, now so imagine with our software, we like to think of what we have as a kind of a radar system. Imagine you're in World War II. It doesn't matter. You could be the greatest fighter ace of the Royal Air Force. You could be Douglas Bader. You're still taking orders from the air traffic control and the radar operator saying, that's where the bombers are. We need you to be there at a particular point in time and space, okay, uh, in order to be most effective. So that's what our software is like. It's like a radar system uh, that can, that can, we, you still want, uh, in terms of the detail, the subtle nuances of, hey, what exactly happened on this call? You still want a human to listen, actually, to really, I don't think machines are ready yet for that sort of stuff. But if, if, if instead of randomly picking one out of 100 calls, you know, if there's only one call that you should have been listening to out of that 100 because of XYZ reason, our software has a very good chance of finding it. And that's the so-called radar system. Now, mind you, you know, from the same um, agents, uh, that that probably made the quality analysts who probably couldn't hack it as an agent and they're not really getting what we're doing. I hear these very bizarre kind of objections saying, oh, so, but that means uh, your machine is not like something beyond uh, in the same analogy. 
uh, super you know AI drone version of way beyond the F-35 that can automatically look around everything uh, for tens of thousands of kilometers or miles and, and, and go and automatically look around and shoot everything down automatically without any human intervention. No, of course it's not that. And it was, it was, I don't even think that's technically possible. That's probably way beyond the state of the art. And, and so, so, so it's like, uh, just because it's not that, and that would be the thing, they're kind of exposing the fact that they're feeling threatened because that's the machine that would threaten their job. Well, that machine doesn't exist yet. I don't even know if it ever will exist. And so, yeah, that's my, that's my little rant, uh, you know, in terms of where this industry is. So I hope that was helpful, yeah. Well, I, I love the rant of where the industry is. Now, we always like to find out, you guys know what you can do now. But if you had a wish, since this is the voice box, if you had a genie in a box and the genie pops out of the box and says, I'll give you any wish you want, you can have any technology, anything that maybe you might not be able to do right now, what would you wish for? I don't know who wants to wish here. I have a wish. I have a wish. Okay, have, okay. Jay's got the wish. Yeah, yeah. It's Jarvis. I mean, Tony Stark's buddy, uh, Jarvis from Iron Man. Yeah, for my, me, the wish would be uh, a one-size-fits-all kind of thing, wherein a single engine that can process all the languages in the world, okay? So any language kind of, any languages, if, you know, multiple languages spoken on the same call, a single engine, uh, you know, engine should be able to process it, detect the language, process it, irrespective of the kind of language, the language it is, because if you look at it overall, there are some 40 or 45 odd languages wherein you have speech engines. But there are a whole list of thousands of languages out there, you know. So an, a single engine that can process all those uh, languages, uh, capture the sentiment uh, based on, you know, irrespective of the geography of the pe person who's talking. And then, uh, you know, it should be able to provide inputs and uh, feedback automatically. That's a tough one. That's what I would like to have. That's almost, that's almost as hard as Jarvis, and that's saying a lot, you know. I think I think we have all collectively tried Jeff's patience here as an engineer in terms of what is doable and what is not doable. <laughs> oh no, I love it. I, you, you, we gotta we gotta keep the vision out in front of us. That's the carrot that's hanging in front of us that we that keeps us moving forward. Uh, it, it's it's been fantastic talking to you guys and finding and what I'm really sort of gleaning from this is the technology is there. There we can already do amazing things. We just need to get them implemented to change call centers to change businesses to change the whole process to make it easier and better and more influential for everybody involved thank you for sharing your experience. Oh, this is thanks guys thanks thank you jeff for inviting us and darren it was absolutely wonderful meeting you and, and really and, good and guys have a great day so jeff i'm excited to find out from you I, although you have a lot of stuff call centers are part of that and monitoring phone conversations and stuff are are part of that as you were listening to what they're doing and the direction they're going, what got you excited or what, you know, ticked off little boxes in your mind saying, oh, that's cool. Well, let me, uh, let me, let, let's just step back a second and think about in the call center space, uh, what they talked about was really two broad different things. One was real-time feedback to the call center agents. But the other thing that they kept kind of hinting at that seemed to be like a bigger part of their business was what people sometimes call post-call analytics. That is, after the calls are all done, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, you want to go back and figure out how your call center agents are doing, which calls, uh, which calls went off the rails, which agents are having a hard time uh, with, their, with their customers. And so you do that kind of analytics after the fact, not real-time trying to help the situation, but after the fact, figuring out 
who needs some coaching, uh, who, maybe who, who needs a different job, uh, and, uh, and so forth. And so those are, those are really very different, um, uh, very different approaches uh, to uh, call center, the real-time coaching and, and feedback and the uh, post-call analytics of figuring out what was going on in your call centers. And usually that's done with an eye to training your workforce and coaching them and so forth. When I look at all of that, there's there's um, you know there's a lot of opportunities for, and I think most people who do this, uh, they do that kind of analysis based on the words that they're hearing. In some cases, they do it just based on the tone, uh, maybe the volume. Are people interrupting each other? Are people talking at the same time? Things like that. There's a lot of clues you can bring together there. Uh, and, and a lot of it is, as I say, they, you know, if you have a transcript, then you're doing an analysis of the, uh, you know, the words that were said. And I think it was Jay who was giving the examples of if you hear people say things like supervisor, unhappy, complain, refund, whatever, you know, ah, that's someone's unhappy, um, that, that you're looking for certain words to give you clues about what's going on. Where I think a lot of this is going, what I see a lot of interest in is um, sort of a voice analytics of, we've talked about this on the podcast in the past, of analyzing the tone of voice, not just simple things like volume and are they speaking over each other and interrupting each other, uh, but can you tell a level of stress? Can you tell a level of happiness or satisfaction and so forth? Which is a, that's a much more sophisticated analytics uh, problem to solve. And people are increasingly looking to implement those kind of things. In the call center space, there are other uh, interesting problems that people are trying to solve as well. Um, with a lot of its circles around regulatory kinds of issues. Um, when you when you record the right, you have to record those calls in order to do the analysis. But but when you start recording calls that are going to have personal information, because almost every time when you're calling, there's some personal information there: your name, your credit card number, uh, whatever uh, details that that might be pertinent. You don't always want to keep those around, and so this is another big area that I see people interested in in call center analytics is when they're going to record those things. Can they bleep out the sensitive information so that they can record it better and not, uh, and be able to reassure their customers that yeah we're not we're not recording the sensitive parts of the phone call because you don't need to know their their name and credit card number in order to figure out what happened on the call and did it get resolved and and so forth. Anyway, there there are a lot of different things going on in the in the call center technology space. Uh, and uh, in fact, at Cobalt, that's like half of our work right now is is uh, pushing those boundaries and developing those things and making them available and making more languages available and uh, all of all of those. Uh, all of yeah, those I remember things. the one wish was to create an engine that understands all of the languages all at the same time. So get working on that one too. Okay? All the languages, um, all at the same time. So so okay, here's here's my scale. You got to tell me where we are on the scale. A, a one is the Dr. Seuss. I'm doing the callback here at a couple of references. One is Dr. Seuss technology, super basic. Number 10 is the Tony Stark, Iron Man, personal computer of Tony Stark, Stark Enterprises, Industries, whatever uh, technology. Where on that scale, one to 10, would you say, say the technology is in its current state? 
that's um, it's hard to to say that you said one to ten, right? Yes. So I think I think we're kind of perpetually at five. Like we always think we're at five. We always can look at oh, we've done this really cool stuff, and here's this other stuff that we're that we're building. And even as we develop more stuff, that just uncovers more opportunities, and we we keep finding more stuff on the five through 10 side of the scale that, oh, we still got to do that. Oh, we still got to do that. So I think it, what's really weird is as the technology improves, the scale shifts and yeah. the expectations shift. And so we always find ourselves at five or six or seven. Uh, and we're always keenly aware of the things that we have yet to do. Um, and uh, and so I don't know, that's a so we'll never we'll never get to 10. We'll never we'll never get to 10 because the scale is always moving and that's fine because it always gives us something to work toward, always something yeah. that we can do. It's Zeno's paradox. So okay, I go. have no idea who Zeno's paradox is, but that's okay. I don't want to open that's up like another garbage. can of worms. It's like I'll go Google. <laughs> no, Zeno's paradox. Do you know Zeno's paradox? See, Zeno was the Greek philosopher who argued that you could never actually get from point A to point B because first you have to go halfway, then you have to go halfway again, and then you have to go halfway again. And there's all these infinite steps you have to get to, to, to get there. I'm oversimplifying and probably misstating it, but the Zeno's paradox is that, the, that uh, you know, you never really get there because it keeps, you've got all these steps that you have to make that you, you keep finding new steps. Yeah. Uh, between where you are and where you want to go. That, that gets me depressed. So I don't want to think about that. I'm just glad <laughs> my, my Delta agents got me on the flight. That's all that matters to me. I was nice to them. They were nice to me. And I got on the flight and we've uh, uncovered a whole, I was going to say a can of worms, a whole Xena paradise. Paradox. Paradox. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining us and muddling through this whole big thing today. I'm Darren. I'm Jeff. We'll see you next week on The Voice Box. Ah!